Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast. It is 6.10 a.m. I have a brand new baby, uh, and I'm recording a mailbag segment while she's sleeping in the bassinet down here, and I'm on my third cup of coffee. So don't skip through this mailbag, because the last uh, voicemail is from a guy who has worked with They Might Be Giants and played on their songs since the early 90s. Whoa. We got a bunch of voicemails first. Ekalemchi Okembo called in to uh, give some thoughts on the Hideaway Folk Family episode, and specifically some open mic eagle stuff we mentioned in passing. Here's Ekalemchi. Hey, podcast listeners. Hey, Greg. Um, so I just listened to the newest episode of the podcast, uh, the Hideaway Folk Family episode, and I wanted to... Uh, put a little addendum. You mentioned the Open Mic Eagle verse on the Clipping song, Something They Don't Know, where uh, the band Clipping samples both uh, the guitar in Absolutely Bill's Mood and the Spider Aww um, as part of the beat. Uh, and then you mentioned that Open Mic Eagle uh, uh, samples Weekday uh, in the song Qualifiers off of the album Dark Comedy. I do want to point out that that is not the first time or the only time that Open Mike Eagle has sampled They Might Be Giants in his discography. Uh, in that same album, in the song Sad Face, Penance Rap, uh, Eagle samples uh, Anna Ang by singing uh, No One Ever in the World Ever Gets What They Want, and that is a beautiful line. Uh, he also uses that in the song Animal, off of the album Animal Hospital, an underrated gem. And that album includes the song Universe Man with Serengeti on it, uh, where the uh, it's, a, it's one of his patented advice songs, and uh, the chorus is a play on the power of man, Universe Man. It's almost as if Universe Man is giving us some very interesting advice to go about our day with. Uh, I love the podcast. Um, Love well, open mic. Mike, if you're listening to this, hit me up. You know how to find me. Uh, maybe, potentially. I'm not actually sure. Thanks for calling in at Kalemchi. Now we've got our friend Mr. Jonathan Leonard up in Minnesota. He left uh, in the two weeks since the last episode uh, with my baby coming and all that. He's left four voicemails, so you're going to hear them all right in a row. We've got his thoughts on the Money for Dope episode as well as the Hideaway Folk Family episode. So here's a bunch of Jonathan thoughts. Hey, Greg. This is Jonathan calling again, uh, calling about the chest piece face episode. Um, I always thought that that opening sound always reminded me a lot of that uh, of the THX sounder at the beginning of movies. And I guess apparently since my job is to shoehorn as many clips from The Simpsons as I can, 
there is always the good uh, THX sounder parody that they did in the movie theater with teeth shattering and heads exploding and whatnot. Hey, Greg, this is Jonathan calling again. I'm listening to your Money for Dope episode. And I know this is definitely a small sort of detail, but I remember uh, during the episode, was sort of wondered aloud, is there even another song that uses the lyric chafing dish? And I could actually think of one as odd as it is, because I know I was like, I know I heard it. Um, I don't know who originally uh, performed it, but the version that I heard was done by Peter, Paul, and Mary, uh, but a song called The Eddie Stone Light. Uh, they end up mentioning it near the uh, near the end of the song. So, so there's at least one song that involves uh, Chafing Dish besides Money for Dope. Hey, Greg, this is Jonathan Kong again about Money for Dope. Uh, you guys are kind of struggling to figure out where the drum programming is in that song. Um, I kind of noticed it during the chorus. I think it's specifically on the snare hit. There's something about it that just kind of makes it a <clears throat> kind of rattly sound more than necessarily just hitting the snare drum. Now, I will say Marty's absolutely hitting the snare drum, but I think it's just a little effect on top of it. But that, maybe I'm wrong, but that's the closest I could think of. Hello, Greg. It is I, Jonathan, uh, once again calling, uh, about Hideaway Folk Family. Um, absolutely love that live version from 2013. Uh, the one thing I wanted to point out that is hilarious, if people didn't pick up on it when you played the end, is when they were doing the backing vocals, you can clearly hear them say, uh, Flansburg saying Cosmonaut, and John Linnell making reference to Yasmin Bleeth and, uh, oh, Meryl Streep as well. So, uh, they're definitely having fun with the backing vocals part when they do it live and, uh, should absolutely not take anything they say during that, uh, seriously. Anyways, uh, enjoy the show as always. Thanks for calling in, Jonathan. Always happy to have your thoughts. Uh, Simpsons related and otherwise. Now, as promised, we have a voicemail from a guy who has worked with MIP Giants for a long, long time. It's Mr. Stan Harrison. Stan Harrison is the guy who plays sax when John Linnell uh, wants some guy to do some alto or tenor. And a guy who has played on a lot of the MIP Giants tracks as well as played live with them a lot as part of the Triceratops horns. Stan is going to be on an episode about Withered Hope. I'm recording late July. One of the two things I'm breaking my paternity leave for. Uh, the other one, I'm talking to Danny Weinkoff in a couple of weeks about Elephants and about his new album, Words. So that's a charity episode. Uh, so yeah, sign up for that Patreon, patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. But for now, here's Stan with some inside info on Darlings of Lumberland. Hi, Greg. Stan Harrison calling as, uh, as planned. Um, after reading your last email about spoilers, I'm not sure exactly how much you want me to say on this, on this voicemail. So I will say less than I had intended. Uh, and maybe you could just drop me a line if you wanted me to say more uh, concerning what I had alluded to. 
Um, but the main thing that I I know that you wanted me to tell you was that um, Splans, it could have been at the recording session when I did all this stuff, or it could have been at at uh, at a rehearsal because I we we did we did uh, try to perform it once, I believe. Um, did mention the fact that the Darlings did exist in in the town of of I think it's a town or a borough or whatever of Lumberland, and they were buried in various parts of of that of that area. Now, now he told me this right after this uh, the record come out came out, or either either that or when we were recording it, depending on on what the scenario was. So it's a number of years ago, and I can't remember everything exactly. But what I can say for sure was that he did not. He mentioned that these were real people and that they were buried uh, in that area. Um, anything else that you wanted to know, um, you can ask me when, when we do the podcast. Um, I'm just not sure how far you want me to take this. So maybe I should pause and repeat one other thing that I, that I do remember from the, from the, uh, the podcast about the song. Uh, and that is there were, I must have recorded around 40 tracks. The number 42 comes to mind, and so does 39 for some reason. Let's say 40, and I know that they that they left some of them out because I had different doublings. Um, but more about that, if you're interested, more about cloisonning, more about the uh, instructions for these charts. Uh, and uh, and anyway, I look forward to speaking with you on uh, whatever that date is that we had chosen. I think it was the 20th, but I have it already down. So uh, be well. Good luck with with uh, your family. I wish you all the best. And uh, and we'll talk soon. Okay, take care, Greg. Bye. Thanks for calling in, Stan. You roll. Man, 42 woodwind tracks on Darlings. Even if they didn't use them all, holy cow. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of playing for one song. Anybody can leave us a voicemail at 224-801-2930. That number again is 224 801 2930. Leave me your thoughts. You can also email thoughts. This might be a pod at Gmail. Uh, and now on with the episode, let's head to the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast. The Song by Song Podcast is about the greatest band of all time. Jimmy at World's pretty good, but they might be giants. They're the greatest band of all time. I'm talking to a guy who hosts a uh, uh, Jimmy Eat World song by song podcast called Jimmy Eat Pod. It's David Park is here to talk about the song Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. <laughs> Come inside. 
Hi, Roll everybody. call, Greg. <laughs> Damn it. In my best uh, Jay Leno voice. <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> eh, eh. I'm sorry, I knocked you over with my chin. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> thanks for being on the show, dude. It's been uh, it's been a while coming. Yeah, we talked about. I think we talked about way back when you started the pod, and I was like, "Oh, well, I know Mickey Mouse Clubhouse." You're like, "There'll be an episode for it," and I was like, "All right, have me on." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I don't want to say I was putting it off just because it's Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I mean, but I, I think listeners will enjoy. It. Like, it seems like one where it's like uh, some fans, younger fans. And they might be giants. Do have plenty of them. I, I'm editing an episode with a uh, a 17 year old as my guest <laughs> for today about Infinity from the One Two Threes. Uh, well, yeah, it's not, it appears on the same album as Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And uh, but uh, you know, she at this point might be like, I don't want to listen to Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. But there are so many parents. Uh, they might be giants fans that are parents. Um, that they will be like, oh, yeah, my kid loved that show. They loved that song. And I played it for Zinnia in the car on the way home from daycare today, and she loved it, especially um, Donald Duck's voice, of course. <laughs> of course, classic. But I can't do it. No, I can't. That's, a, that's one of the voices I've never been able to do. <laughs> it hurts. Yeah. It's painful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, you picked it. Because uh, your uh, your oldest like uh, watched the show. Yeah, my oldest was really into the show for a little bit. Um, uh, he and his grandma would watch it all the time, and uh, I, it it was I knew it most. I knew the property the most from uh, at Disney California Adventure Park. Uh, there was a Mickey Mouse Clubhouse stage show that you could go into, and they had mm. puppets. It was a puppet show, Ooh. and. Uh, I only went in and finally watched the show. This was before he was watching the TV show. And we caught one of the final performances before they rebranded it to the Disney Junior, Disney Junior live show, which is great, but doesn't it, it's more Mickey and the Roadster Racers focused, um, which is, <laughs> I the, don't even know what that is yet. <laughs> it's the follow-up show, I guess. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, that was the first time I'd heard the song. And then when we started watching the show, I was like, Oh, okay. This, this, puts it into a context and really yeah. i mean that they ended the show when my five-year-old was only a year old so really we're oh. all just watching um reruns at that point so it was never really yeah. on our radar i don't know if his friends were watching it all that much but uh we're those kind of parents where like i feel like my son is watching all these shows from when i was a kid now um right and yeah. uh and has no context when he talks to his friends about like the ghost the real ghostbusters cartoon or like <laughs> um, <laughs> right. but Mickey Mouse Clubhouse I think for the most part he could probably find some friends that are into that show so anyway sure. watching that I think I saw They Might Be Giants in the credits and I was like oh huh interesting and right. so it was always like a note in the back of my head and then all the stuff that came along with it um, In so what? Let, back up even yeah. you know before the I'm assuming you had heard of They Might Be Giants before the yes. kiddos were born what's your history as a uh, They Might Be Giants fan whatever it may be uh, I, yeah, I, and and in the best way possible, they just were never on my radar. So I wouldn't say I'm not I'm a fan. I wouldn't say I'm a fan, but I'm not like a hater. Like I don't like. <laughs> I, I almost you have just no not. opinion. Like I, I they were never really on my radar. I think I knew about them from the Malcolm in the Middle theme song. I think that was uh -huh. them. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, and, it was. It was. And uh, the John Stewart Daily Show theme. Oh, and, right. Uh, so, a bunch of Dunkin' Donuts commercials and the Oblongs and uh, yeah, Dr. Like, Evil and Austin Powers me, 2. I would have probably told you like they were a ska band, like Real Big Fish or this is exactly Mighty, what Mighty, Mighty, Mighty Boss Tones. <laughs> this is exactly what Matty Rendell said to me. Oh, really? <laughs> when I had him on very early on. Like, we had just been mixing up on Twitter. I'm like, oh, I want to talk to someone in Australia. This guy seems funny. Do you know they might be giants? He's like, I know three songs. <laughs> and then the song that he picked, and this is funny. I'm having very much an episode like I had last night where Adam uh, White only knew a handful of songs and checked out more before the episode. But uh, Maddie Rendell as well. Also, you know, I wanted to talk to people that aren't super fans because it's, you know, it's it's more interesting to get different perspectives and not just talk to a bunch of, you know, super dorks like, like me. I agree. So yeah, that's, that's really like, it's, it was always like a band that I knew people were into and they just never were on enough fat records compilations for me. (laughs) (laughs) Being exactly zero fat records compilations. Yeah, that, that's one market they haven't tapped into. You know, I think they should have put... The skate punk album. That's what they need. <laughs> they should have put out a Stompbox uh, single with some B-side on, on Fat Wreck. That song, that's a punk song. Um, From that, context clues, though, based on the show and their uh, prolific catalog, I wouldn't doubt that Fat Mike is probably huge. They might be Giants fan and would love to have them on a comp. That would be something. I mean, Mark Hoppus is. I'll bet, He's, yeah. What's he, his favorite song? Has he talked about it? Like he's had them on his he had them on his Fuse show that he had. Oh, okay. Um. Oh, what song did he talk about in particular? Oh, he also pops up in the They Might Be Giants documentary from the uh, it's it was from the year two thousand called Gigantic, A Tale of Two Johns. Uh, Hoppus is on there briefly. Um, That's so I can't remember funny. What songs he mentions in particular? I think he mentions Why Does the Sunshine, um, which is a cover, but they basically brought it to to prominence because no one remembered that sixties uh, science album or whatever that some guy put out that's so Uh, funny that you mentioned that 2000s documentary i remember seeing that in the early 2000s on like mark's imdb and i was like what is this i gotta find this and then it was always in the back of my mind never knew what it was so it's out of print now (laughs) it's out of print now i got it but uh i can't remember if it, it was up in full on youtube for a while but i think it got yanked and i don't know i mean if there are things out of press uh it's out of print then they're not losing any money by being up on YouTube, so I don't know. I mean, you got Have nothing to sell. Have any of the members of Jimmy <laughs> World ever come across uh, your research in terms of like being fans of They Might Be Giants? You know, because yeah, because I had seen that. What, what's what They Might Be Giants song did he put in his? Was it an Instagram story or was it TikTok? Oh, where he's making remember. coffee. Jim Atkins is making coffee yeah. and always playing. Yeah, probably that makes sense. Was it one of the fingertips songs? I can't remember. It was something off Apollo 18 because because the little cover of Apollo 18 was on it. Having him on the show would be amazing. I'm sure uh, you guys would want him to be on your show as well. So whoever gets him, whoever snags him first, then we'll, we'll pass him off to the other guy. <laughs> what will probably end up happening is when Jim brings back his pass through frequencies YouTube show, he'll probably just have somebody from They Might Be Giants on his podcast, and then we'll both have something to talk about. <laughs> Oh yeah, but no, I want I, I want to talk to him, and yeah. I'm working on Frank Black as well. He's a big uh, They Might Be Giants fan. My uh, sister's boss is his neighbor in Boston. Oh, <laughs> so you know, so you're saying there's a chance? That's right. So, 
<laughs> so uh, how many They Might Be Giant songs do you know? You know Boss of Me from Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. And yeah. And then the Daily Show theme, which I just learned was them. And yep, it was, <laughs> it, it's actually the coolest thing because it was written by Bob Mould of Husker Du. And he his version was the Craig Kilborn Daily Show. Oh. Jo- John Stewart is a huge They Might Be Giants fan. So he had them basically cover, cool. cover it and do the big horn you know, the blasty horn version and stuff that that was on his show for, what was that, eight years? I don't know. Daily Show. He was on a while. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, it's yeah. still it's still the They Might Be Giants version on, on the new Daily Show, but then there's like that beat over it and it kind of, right. it's like a remix of the <laughs> They Might Be Giants version. Yeah. yeah. So so you don't know like Birdhouse in Your Soul or Particle not, Man. Not by or, that name, no. So... You, yeah, that's that's nuts. People listening are uh, breaking their monocles uh, currently. Um, <laughs> their nerd glasses are just shattering at the lenses. Uh, so that's very so, much my. It's blowing my it's mind. So stuff. we're roughly the same age, aren't we? I'm creeping up on I, I'm forty a this years year. Younger than you, yeah. But uh, okay, so you didn't see. Okay, yeah, I graduated in '99. So, so you didn't see uh, Particle Man or Istanbul on Tiny Tunes in 1990. Oh, right. I remember somebody talking about that, and yeah, I guess, oh, but I didn't remember it, it as, <laughs> as well as everybody else. I guess. Okay. So yeah, but, so you have heard those songs, but could you even like call them up to, into your brain? At this no, point? no, no, no. What I'll do is when I <laughs> when I go and pick up when I go pick up my kid from preschool, I'll put I'll put that on for sure and. I'll uh, go down memory lane and be like, oh, right, this is the thing. Just go look for my Spotify playlist. I got a whole bunch of different uh, themed They Might Be Giants. Nice. <laughs> playlists on my Spotify account. Uh, yeah, solid, uh, t- you know, like two and a half hour mix of all the best classics and newer stuff. Uh, yeah, I've just, uh, you know, the uh, when I was starting the podcast, I was looking for people that First of all, people that I knew in real life that I knew where they might be Giants fans, even the most casual fans, I roped them in to be on the, the spreadsheet, and most of them have done their episodes by now. I still got a couple that had, because of one reason or another, the episodes kept getting pushed. But uh, And then, just like, I mean, one of the whole reasons that I started the show, and I'm assuming that you did, is because these Song by Song podcasts kept creeping up, and Blink-155 was the first one that I heard about. Um, I kind of got off that train after a while and those, uh, there was a whole bunch of stuff there, but I just like, there's only so much you can hear about how, you know, Scott was better than Travis Barker or whatever. <laughs> that was pretty much like, is it, is it an old blink or new blink? And I'm like, okay, but they might be giants. And if you get more into them and listen to my playlist, you will realize that, well, first there's two main songwriters and they crank out 900 songs and they're all just in every different genre you can think of and they're a band that can even do kids music and make it awesome and the mickey mouse clubhouse team i would say is one of their even more like kiddish sounding kid songs most of their kids albums rock really really hard and i've had marty beller their drummer on when he joined they were recording their first the first album for disney that they did was their second kids album uh here come the abc's and they were recording those songs and uh for their adult album the spine both in 2003, 2004, they were recording them all kind of mixed in in the same studio sessions. And Marty, like, you know, typically you're recording drums, there's no vocals over it. There's no lyrics. He's like, I just approached them all the same way, and I tried to write the coolest drum parts, and I didn't realize which ones were going on the spine <laughs> and which ones were going on the Disney label, Here Come the ABC. So, like, that's how good these They Might Be Giant sounds are, because... Um, 
And and again, I told this story to Adam last night. I got immortalized in a Hard Times article. You you know, you're aware of the Hard Times, yes? Yeah, I love the Hard Times. My name is in an article because the uh, David Britton, who was on the Stompox episode I mentioned, and the very first episode of this podcast, he's a stand-up comedian and and is hilarious and uh, writes uh, comedic fiction about wizards on uh, storiesaboutwizards.com. He uh, he put me in an article uh, that was titled. They might be Giants fan. Not sure if new album, kids album or not. And uh, <laughs> the person in the story was Greg Simpson. That's so, so good. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse song, it does still have a lot of those they might be Giants-y elements. Now, I don't know if you would even know what the what uh, what that would mean, saying it's you know still got those they might be Giants elements. But uh, what... Uh, what do you like about the music? Take the whole Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, MIC. Okay, I'll take all that out of there. What do you like about I the music? Um, let's see. It's based in like a polka beat, uh, which is cool. It reminds me of like listening to, uh, you know, uh, Weird Al or something. Um, and, <laughs> it's, got, uh, it's got tuba. It's got accordion. Yeah, yeah, tuba and accordion, yeah. Um I'm trying to think of the song without the lyrics in my head. I'm like, yeah, I'm, know, like right? uh, I'm doing the splitter through my head right now and <laughs> listening to the separate <laughs> tracks. I guess what I most notice, and this is maybe oversimplifying it, but this is what you get from a casual fan, a casual listener is mm-hmm. take the two main songs. I know this one and you're not the boss of me. And I can tell that they're done by the same band. And I think that might be what you're getting at in that the they might be giantisms of their musicianship shows through both sides. And I wouldn't say that I would ever put those two songs on the same album. Uh, maybe they would. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> A compilation, maybe. <laughs> that they are by the same band. And maybe it's the vocals. Sure, but Flans- never- uh, John Flansburg sings lead on on both of them essentially. John Lennell's voice is in in Mickey Mouse, but Flans is the the yeah. lead. Yeah, um, the uh, I'm actually I just realized that the tuba players Dan uh, Dan Levine, who uh, is primarily known as a trombonist who's played with them a lot, and I've got him coming on the podcast in nice. uh, June. Yeah. To talk about a kid's song called Electric Car off their Science Here Comes Science album, in which he, he said he not, he not only played trombone, but he did the whole arrangement for the horns in that one. Super excited to talk to him as a trombonist. Um, and I didn't know he also did tuba stuff for them. So uh, he's a, a talented dude. But you got tuba, which you'll see. I mean, again, there's a song off the spine. Like I said, um, the ABCs in the spine. This was one, two, three, just a couple years later. But Marty was like, I don't know which one's a kid's song, which one's an adult song. There's there's a song with tuba on the spine, the adult album. It's called Stock of Wheat, and it's incredible. And now I just want to see real quick if that's also Dan Levine doing the tuba on that one. Uh, but these wacky songs where it's like if you just make the lyrics about Mickey Mouse and not about like deep, dark depression and uh, being maimed or, or dying, then, uh, you know, that's you just swap that out and then, you're, yeah. and then it's, uh, you know. What kind of song is it? Yes, uh, Dan Levine plays trombone on that one. Uh, tuba is a guy named Marcus Rojas, who uh, I don't know. And trumpet is Mark Pender of the Conan Band, who has been on a few of their songs. Nice. Have they ever had Dave King 
uh, Dave King. Dang, I'm getting the name wrong. I think Dave King is lead singer of uh, of um, uh, a flogging Molly. Who am I thinking? Uh. <laughs> uh, the guy that played saxophone on uh, All the Way Stay by Jimmy World off their new album. Oh, uh, look it up. Yeah. The guy from Flogging Molly I'd want to talk to is Matt Hensley, the accordion player. For one, he's an accordion player, but also I grew up skateboarding, and Matt Hensley was, he's a former professional skater, and oh, I nice. have him like in his teenage and early 20s years doing some pretty sick early 90s skating. Uh, <laughs> so James King is the saxophonist. I, I did a quick James King TMBG search, and not much came up. Hmm. James King, searching him on the wiki. No can do comes up with James K. Polk. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there have been no Jameses that have worked with them. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look like it. And then meet James Ensor uh, about the painter. Because these are the things they they sing about: our horrible, horrible presidents and uh, very, very grotesque uh, paintings. That's they might be giants. Uh, awesome. And then you know, and then Mickey Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> All jealous, you know. They started doing kids' albums when John Linnell had a, had a kid that has to have something to do with it. Oh, nice! Uh, I think his kid was two when their first kids' album, No, came out. That's what it's called. <laughs> no, they also have a kids' album called Why. You know, all the kids' favorite words. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, so looking at um, the page on the wiki for the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme. Uh, there's a little quote from John Flansburg here. Um, so it was used. Okay. So Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, this one ran from 2006 to 2016. Um, and from an essay on e-music, good old e-music by Flansburg. They loved e-music. Recently, we were asked to create new opening and closing themes for the upcoming revival of the Mickey Mouse Club. As the work was being discussed on a four-way conference call, it emerged that the theme was going to have to spell out the name of the show, but it can't be the same melody, which would be... And I'm going to play a clip. Yeah. Who's the leader of the club that's made for you and me? M-I-C-K-E-Y, M-O-U-S-E. Who's the can't be the same and that's that's kind of tough because you have to pretend like you've never heard it before <laughs> right sort of like spell the same thing that's like because you learn stuff in school i mean i teach music but even like kindergarten teachers first grade teachers they'll teach their classes stuff through song because it gets drilled into your brain. I mean, that's the whole reason there's an ABC song to the tune of Twinkle Twinkle. You know, like, that's it, how you remember your alphabet. It's how you learn it. Uh, so to, like, try to take that out of the brains of these, you know, the, the Johns are both, they're of the boomer generation, you know, can't hold that against them. They're the coolest boomers there are. But, like, they are familiar with the old one. It must have been really hard. So, yeah, the quote continues it was an interesting challenge but i wondered aloud if we were being asked to invent new coke (laughs) (laughs) this portion of your mickey mouse club is brought to you by your friendly neighbor who bottles coca-cola 
I don't even know if I like it, but for better or worse, the original is an icon. How could another spelled out theme replace or even compare it to the original? Then I was reminded the audience is almost entirely of three and four year olds. For them, nothing is a rerun or remake. It's all brand new. So that is very true. With that said, I want to play the original uh, uh, theme, one I found from uh, the 1960s theme, I guess is what I'll play first and then there's this 1955 like dance routine that's cool too let's play this black and white mickey mouse clubhouse the the video's pretty cool to watch but yeah it's the intro from 1960 i'll drop that in we'll meet new places we'll do things and we'll go places all around the world we're marching so many famous people that have come out of the uh disney musical sphere i mean especially from like our generation i suppose you know timberlake and yep. britney spears and who right, else? gosling gosling yeah did christina aguilera come up through there too? Uh, she was oh she might have been yeah my god my wife would know <laughs> oh but let's let's just look famous people that were 
Musketeers. Did I spell that right? I don't know. Google will know. Okay. All right. Let's see. Yep. Christina Aguilera. Carrie Russell. Really? That's right. Yeah. She couldn't sing or dance, but she got the role. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, what is this? Damn fucking articles with their slideshows. Gosling, Timberlake, uh, Ad, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, Carrie Russell, Ad, JC Chas. This one. Oh yeah. Is, oh, right. this is this is EW. This is Entertainment Weekly site. So it's a slideshow for maximum clickage. Yeah. Uh, Nikki, Nikki Deloach. Who's that? Uh, she was a girl group member and open uh, Innocence. They opened for Britney Spears and Insync, so I guess uh, kind of at the time. I love Innocence; they're great. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. So there's some other people that I don't know quite as well, but yeah. So uh, a lot of people have come up in this this crew, and the the comments are pretty sweet on this original Musketeers dance routine. All these clearly very old people now that are talking about one like apparently Annette is one of these Musketeers in the video. Yeah. She, she died, uh, so there's an, some RIPs here, and just people talking about how much they yeah. loved it when they were a kid. Um, that nostalgia factor. So I'm wondering how many of people that were watching this show were watching it with their grandkids or I don't know great grandkids uh, were watching this new They Might Be Giants themed. Uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse being like, you can't change the song? What are you doing? That's not how you spell Mickey. Wait, it is, but you didn't spell it in the right tune. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, grandparents come over and, you know, they get a little tired and they throw the TV on. I'm trying to think yeah. if, yeah, if, uh, I don't think Wesley's grandma cared, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh so musically i think the song is pretty interesting um the original again, or the uh go back to the back to the they might be giants one the i love that it has those they might be giants elements like i was mentioning the accordion you know tuba something a whole not a whole lot of rock bands have appearing yeah. frequently on their songs um let alone brass unfortunately since the you know, Scott's starting to come back. I, I need brass in my in my shit. <laughs> brass, some saxes. Uh, but yeah, it's got the full the full band on there plus uh, uh, Dan Levine, and it's it's maybe a little more rinky dink than some of their kids stuff that's usually more rocking or even kind of weird. And I was talking to my wife about this because I started making a Spotify playlist called Good Kids Songs, and so I teach a million kids songs you know, for work. And then I'm like, okay, well, what will, you know, my two and a half year old also like that, you know, there's some crossover with, you know, a lot of kindergarten songs, songs that are easy enough for them to memorize. Like she might not be able to memorize, but she would enjoy them. So like we got classics like Pete Seeger doing green grass girl all around. Got a ton of Ella Jenkins. He's like my idol. Uh, Miss Mary doing Miss Mary Mack and, and, and did you feed my cow? All these classics. And then I was looking for some like newer rocking stuff. And um, I found a couple things other than they might be giants, obviously, but a lot of kids stuff out there, they really, it's like patronizing in a way Yeah. where it's like, everything's got to be a ding, 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 very gentle. Can't scare the children. <laughs> like, uh, like, come on. Like my, my daughter's like six months old and I'm like uh, on a big sonic youth kick and she's hearing just all this like crazy dissonant distorted guitars and yeah. 
you I know, think, and very. I think, you a, I think you're onto something. I think what yeah. they hit on is they did the melody of the deep, 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 but they did it unapologetically. So, like, mm-hmm. really, like the riff in it is which you could do on a xylophone and make like a sparrow sleep style song and that's like a kid's song but yeah they just went ahead and played it straight on like went in the studio yeah. didn't per- didn't pretend that they were going to play a kid's song and just recorded what they were going to do yeah i mean it's still got you know hard-hitting drums like the guitars aren't like in your face about it um you know, they're not like huge distorted guitars or something, though a lot of their kid songs do have just as much distortion and guitars in the mix as their adult stuff. But it's still got, you know, the cool bass line. It's it's not it's definitely not phoned in. I mean, I think if, if you got an assignment from Disney, you gotta you gotta use your whole ass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um <clears throat> but I think they kept it very they might be giancy while still making it something that, you know, three year olds would like and uh not be, I guess it wouldn't make them want to get up and like run around the room and eat chocolate. You know, it's not that hyper. It's yeah. got a nice kind of mid tempo. It it gets them hooked. Uh, I mean, yeah, my, I think when I was preparing for this episode, it was the first time I'd ever played it for my daughter. Um, so it's still a lot of the Might Be Giant stuff, but this is not the focus of that usually. And she is like, Mickey, she's got, you know, starting to use the yeah. potty. She's got the pull ups going that got mini on them. So she was into it. And I think maybe I'll show her the, the show off to, to bring it up yeah. if it's, I don't know, we don't have Disney Plus, so maybe we can't. But uh, I think it's a song that I don't really mind listening to. I mean, especially when Flansburg's the one singing and there's the group of kids singing. And, you know, all the characters, they make a little appearance, but it's not like Mickey singing the whole song. Yeah. You know, it's not like this annoying Mickey voice the whole time. Yeah, that would have been an interesting take. <laughs> I wonder if there was one. Right. Uh, where yeah, it's the Mickey demo, the long yeah. last Mickey demo. <laughs> Mickey plays every instrument. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it helps yeah. that Mickey's not the one singing it because it makes Mickey exactly. stand out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's, it's it's the roll call, which was they roll did that back call. in the day. So it's still you know it still throws back to that nostalgia while being its own new original tune. You know, I'm kind of surprised you, uh, the songs that you said that you knew that you didn't mention hot dog. You never heard so, hot dog, so hot dog, hot diggity dog. In my head, that is this song. So I'm confused about they go how together. they're... Yeah, I'm confused about how they're different songs because even when I was looking up the wiki for Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, it was like, oh, they did two songs, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and Hot Dog. I was like, they're not the same song and not on a slight to them, <laughs> but I feel like in my head... Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Yeah, I don't know. How are they different songs? They are, they are thematically related for sure. Mickey makes an appearance at the end. Well, Hot Dog is like a two and a half minute song. Mickey I chimes see. in at the very end. At the Right. The whole tune, it has, it still has a kind of like bum chicka bum chicka bum chicka bum hot dog hot dog hot diggity dog, and so uh, it's it's intentionally. I mean, there's no way it's not intentionally, kind of related to it thematically, yeah. uh, arrangement wise, and kids love stuff that sounds familiar. So if they love that little fifty-six second theme song, 
Here's yeah, a jam like that's got a little more length like to it. Two and a half minute song. I would have thought that Mickey Mouse Clubhouse was like the bridge of Hot Dog, and then they just slapped it at the beginning of the show, and at the end, <laughs> in true Gilligan's Island fashion, they play the full thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm looking at Hot Dog now, and this will be a separate episode. My the, one of the saxophonists in my band signed up for Hot Dog because nice. his kids like this show too. Um, after successfully completing the day's adventure, Mickey recaps the day's fun activities and lessons learned through the celebratory hot dog song. Mickey turns to the audience and with a wave and a wink, he promises to see you real soon. Uh, yeah, that's a Disney press release. The hot dog song written and performed by Grammy award winning alternative rock band. They might be giants is featured in each episode. So it also appears in each episode. Right. So it kind of feels like a theme. It it's always going to be every, there. Yeah. Show like, Oh, yeah. well, we so did I, it. And then they yeah. get, start getting down. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny the closing song is hot dog i did it right yeah uh yeah i'm looking at the chord progressions now actually to see how much there is related between the two. Oh, that's a good that's a good uh reference so we got uh mickey mouse clubhouse they're they're both in the key of g um though mickey mouse clubhouse is more d's a minors uh and c's while hot dog doesn't go to the minors really at all. It has the G's and the D's and C's, but doesn't have any of those minor elements, which really kind of sneak up in there. The the minors are really kind of a passing tone, but they do share three of the four chords uh, and similar kind of like moderato tempos, (laughs) if I'm going to use fancy lingo to talk about this children's song. Uh, Yeah, yeah, so Mickey Mouse Clubhouse is 56... I was just guessing there. It is, it's a minute. It's flat minute. They probably were asked to make a song that's exactly yeah. a minute, and that's probably why there's that it's, ping at the end <laughs> to last it the rest of the way. That. That's like the fade. That's yeah. the fade. So then you know, then Mickey comes in there, uh, and then hot dog. Yeah, whoever did the hot dog tab on uh, the wiki really phoned it in. Kind of, it, it seems almost <laughs> like it's a joke tab. <laughs> but that song's two minutes and twenty eight seconds. Yeah. So I did, like I said, while I got in the car, I did listen to Hot Dog versus uh, um, the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme. Yes. I, I should point out that this is part two yeah. of <laughs> our recording. <laughs> I'll put in, uh, well, what I usually do is I put in this Moog synth version of the Spanish Flea. Nice. That's great. Technical difficulties. Please stand by. So, um, yeah. So you listen to Hot Dog and the theme back to back. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I guess they are different songs, but I, I totally thought they were do. I, I, I guess it's, uh, it's less, less two parts of the same song and more of like a Gilligan's Island fe- theme versus a closing theme where they are two different songs with different sets of lyrics, but, right. Um, same instrumentation almost. So, um, right. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, at this point they had already done a fair amount of soundtrack stuff. Like, so uh, when did we determine the show started? 2006? 2006. 2006, yeah. Yeah, so they had already done songs for The Daily Show, Malcolm in the Middle, The Oblongs, uh, Higglytown Heroes they did right around this time. That that I don't know if your kids watched that. Um, and then like they did that something for, they did the opening song of Austin Powers 2. Oh. They did a movie for the I Power I have to revisit Rain, that uh, franchise. I wonder if it holds yeah. up. The first one does. The other two do not. Um, 
But it's cool because the They Might Be Giants song, I did an episode about it if you want to hear it, but it's like a James Bond pastiche. Uh-huh, yeah, even of course, though, yeah. E- even though at the beginning it's like a scroll, like a Star Wars scroll, it plays this uh, evil, <laughs> evil is his one and only name. And it's uh, it's Flansburg's wife that sings it. So it's not yeah. immediately recognizable as They Might Be Giants because it's orchestral and sounds like, has that like that dun-dun-dun-dun kind of guitar tone playing something else. And as musicians... Uh, uh, yeah. that have been doing it as long as they have did they do the orchestrations and write all of that out or did they work with somebody like beck's dad that seems to always work with the alternative <laughs> bands <laughs> uh we 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 hypothesized about that on the episode because uh that song in particular for the most part they're doing all the arrangements they also have some horn guys like i'm going to talk to their trombone and tuba guy for an episode uh in june um, the guy that's played on stuff for 20 years for them. And like, sometimes he'll do the arrangements, Yeah, but John Linnell, John Linnell's a wind player. Like he, he plays okay, sax so he, and clarinets. Yeah. He knows what's up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Strings and stuff. They, uh, bring in, I mean the wiki, you know, has such good credits. It'll tell you who plays the strings when they were on Electra, they would get strings on a lot of shit cause they could afford it. Um, but they would have cool people like Gary Yellen, who was in pair Ubu, that art punk band from the seventies. Like, this cellist that was in this art punk band from Akron, Ohio, <laughs> you know, he would play or Cleveland. He would, he was playing on like these 1996, you know, tracks like SEXXY and all these factory showroom cuts. Um, so sh- strings, they'll typically bring in a guy to do the arrangement, I-, I think. But like Linnell and Flans, I think, especially Linnell, know how to write out, like you'll see sheet music for stuff on occasion. Cool. Like when they did their song Backwards. <laughs> did you ever hear about that? No. <laughs> uh, this episode will actually come out before, so I'll cut this out. Um, <laughs> if you go and listen to that. A song off Flood called Sapphire Bullets of Pure Love. It's kind of a deeper cut, kind of a ballad, a short minute and a half song on their Flood 30th anniversary tour, which got cut down to like six shows because of the pandemic. Oh, um, they're picking it back up. Like I'll see them next year, even though it's the 32nd anniversary of flood. I'll be seeing them in May next May. Um, and they took the song, they, they released, uh, a picture of the sheet music as kind of like a little trick, oh, that's cool. a little puzzle, a little riddle to see if people could figure it out. And it, the title was Stillub, S T I L L O O B. And someone eventually cracked it that it's bullets backwards, at least phonetically, <laughs> it's bullets yeah. backwards. So Sapphire Bullets backwards, and they perform it, they listen to it backwards and learn how to sing it That's backwards. Cool. Yeah. And the whole band plays it backwards. Um, and it's kind of like a kind of circular, kind of arpeggiated thing. So I think for the musicians, it wasn't that hard. You just memorize it like it's a new song. But the the vocals, and they sing in harmony the whole time for a minute and a half. So they both had to learn how to pronounce it backwards. <laughs> and and then, uh, so I, I recorded that episode, and people have flipped it so that the backwards one is now forward, so you can hear how it sounds like. Nice, yeah. You know, it just sounds like that little bit off. Yeah. It sounds like, Very you know, twin they peaks. got... Right. It sounds like they got like their fingers in the ears. Yes, yeah, that kind of chewing gum. You right, exactly. Going out of style. Yeah, it's exact, exactly <laughs> right, and it's very, very impressive. But they only got to play it like five times. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so um, the covers themes. Oh, they oh they also did the uh, a song for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie in the late nineties. Um, oh, the original one. Uh, it's from With 98 or 99. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that movie. Okay. Yep. I, it's on my Sentence list to rewatch. 
dude, you got to hear the song Sense Around. Like, it's one of those, it's a B-side where people are like, why is that not on Factory Shroom? It's I so definitely good. will know that. Like, when I watch the movie, I will know it, because I watched that movie so much as a kid. <laughs> You'll recognize John Linnell's voice. Nice. And it's it's a very kind of meta song, because Sense Around was this, and I've already done an episode on that. It's, uh, it's about this special thing they were putting in movie theaters. I don't know if you'd remember uh-huh. this, uh, since you kind of work in that field, where they put basically, like, not subwoofers, but like uh, vibrating things under people's seats yep. uh, in the theater, yep. right? And the the company, I don't think the company is called Sense Around, but like it was like that was the see this movie yeah. with Sense Around, whatever. Yeah. So the song is called Sense Around. Down at the bottom, Sense Around, and something. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, so doing Hot Dog at the end of the clubhouse, like it's 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 like these guys knew what they were doing. You know, it's got the tuba, the accordion, Flans is singing. Um, but it's a different song and it's longer, you know, cause the credits play and whatever else. Um, or don't they kind of, do they like kind of like dance and sing to it they, too? They, and then the yeah. They roll? always like, uh, they always like work their way, like almost like our episodes where we wind our way to be excellent to each other and party on dudes. They always sort of work in the dance into the end of the episode. And that dance mm-hmm. is the bookend of the show. And that, that goes into the, yeah. Yeah. So the song's still playing when the credits start. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that makes sense. It's like two, two and a half minutes or whatever. Um, yeah, but it's like it's like an orchestral technique almost where you have mo- motives, right? Correct, yeah. You have a melodic, a melodic a theme, motive or yeah. an arrangement. Right, exactly, right. In a more layman's term, yeah, a theme that you would play with and kind of alter, for, I mean, to keep it interesting. Like, when I was in college doing composition classes, there's a... A pretty basic, like the, when you're learning composition, there's there's a type of writing for classical music called theme and variations, and like a lot of famous composers have done them. Like Aaron Copland did somewhere it was yeah. like, um, like I mean you'll even have like themes on something like Twinkle Twinkle, where it's like this is a kid song, it's a lullaby, but it, you know the melody was written by Mozart. So then someone was taking the song. And then you just like expand it and like play with the melody and do all these really elaborate things. So like in college, because I'm a fucking dweeb and uh, just like you know shit posting before that was a thing, I took uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart, <laughs> the <laughs> the melody, uh, the uh, Once Upon a Time I Was Falling in Love and Now I'm Only Falling Apart. Nothing I Could Do. Total Eclipse of the Heart. I'll drop a clip of it in. I have it recorded.
need you more. Yeah, so I did it. Well, it was just that part. That was the theme. And it was written for, we'd write it for our classmates. So it was me on a drum set, um, a bassoon oboe, I think, or a clarinet. It was like a little quartet of like just, it was a small class. So just like, here, you you guys play on mine. I'll play on yours, blah, blah, blah. And so then it yeah. goes into, it does a 6-8 version. It does a polka nice. version. And it does a like hard rock version, hard rock as far as you could get with it, you know. So I'm like, don't going like full punk on the drums, like <laughs> like punk breakdown, you know. And it's got you know it's like bassoon and French horn, like it's uh it's I was just I had a lot of fun with it. I did one with Doctor Worm as well. I did theme and variations on Doctor Worm. That one was not in a, a contest, but I believe my theme and variations got like third prize in like the theme and variations uh category because like every student did a theme and variation so mine was the only one that had a a laugh uh a laugh break after like (laughs) like when people realize what the theme is because it's just like on the clarinet like so and then people are like "Ah," like they start clapping and then when it goes with the polka one like there's this laughter that that ended up on the in the mics and it uh it was a lot of fun so my professor my professors were probably rolling their eyes really hard but the crowd liked it (laughs) if they even got it i don't know they're like like, Like, even doing a polka variation was like pretty wild they're like why would you do that i'm like i'm polish man come on i grew up on weird l yeah. Have you heard Weird Al? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I still, for students, especially my choir students, I'll play them Weird Al uh, polka medleys if they had a good day or whatever in choir. And I was like, let's watch, you know, alternative <laughs> polka. Or let's listen to alternative polka. Or let's watch um, the mandatory, mandatory fun polka. He made a music video where it takes all the original music videos and syncs them up with his version. It's so great. Oh, so like, cool. Miley Cy- like Weird Al's voice coming out of Miley Cyrus's mouth for Wrecking Ball. So good. <laughs> so yeah, these guys know what they're doing. They, you know, it made total sense. And while it confused you, like, oh, aren't those the same song? It it makes sense for the show to bookend it. And kids like routine and things that are familiar. So for the two songs Absolutely. to both be singable and with different lyrics, but have so much, so many similarities, like it, it's a, uh, you know, they know how to write kids' music. They had already released two kids' albums by that point. Let's take a quick break to hear from one of our podcast friends. Hello, my name is Spencer, and in my podcast called The Dictionary, I literally read from the dictionary, but add in my personal comments and stupid jokes to make it more interesting. Episodes are family-friendly, short, and air every single day on basically every podcast platform. Come join me on this journey filled with edutainment. Are we ready for the covers, section? Hell yeah. All right, so the first one... Let's save my friend Noah's for last because they were custom covers. Oh, okay, good. From friend and uh, a guest of the show. Let's do. Oh, did we do? Okay, hold on. These aren't technically covers, but did we already talk about the lullaby version? Nope. Okay, so we played the original. It's in the email there. We played the 1955 dance theme. We played the 1960s theme. Uh, Disney Junior lullaby-ish version of the TMBG theme.
What would be great is if Jay Leno just jumps in. (laughs) (laughs) I think that is adorable. Um, I love that animation style that they've started using, too. Yeah. That Ren and Stimpy style. The huge eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, very character-sized. I mean, cartoons almost always have, like, the head is too large for the body, but this is, like, really too large for the body. Um, oh, that's the baby theming of it, but yeah, right, the, the 2D style that they've been uh, using for these uh, new batch of, I mean, really, it's been for the past almost 10 years, but this new batch right. of Mickey Mouse cartoons, there's a whole attraction based on it now at Walt Disney World uh, that's about to open here in Toontown uh, next year called Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway that's based on that same animation style from that video. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like this yeah. style. I mean, I miss... Hand-drawn animation. I mean, that, like, I'm sure it's done with a computer, but it kind of has that old-school look yeah. to it. Yeah. Because, um, like, like, the last Disney movie, well, I guess, you know, I, I used to buy DVDs, uh, like, to, for when I had a sub in music class to show. And I bought Coco. That's the most recent one. That movie's great. Um, but The Princess and the Frog is one of my favorites, because not only does it have, like, a bunch of, like, awesome, like, Dixieland jazz music oh, yeah. and stuff, it's hand-drawn, and it just, like, takes me back to the... The 90s, you know, growing up, like, my sister subjected me to My Little Mermaid so many times, and I loved Aladdin. <laughs> you know, Beauty and the Beast even was cool, where they introduced, like, that ballroom scene with CGI background, yeah. and, like, it blew everyone's minds. Um, but, yeah, this this version, like, it's very cute. Uh, the animation, people should go watch it. I mean, it's on the Disney Junior Junior channel. I mean, Is there a Sparrow Sleeps uh, They Might Be Giants album? Because uh, Sparrow Sleeps is a guy that's, like, super into the alt scene and does, like, He's, there's a Jimmy Eat World uh, Sparrow Sleeps called Chase This Nightlight that's got like 10 Jimmy Eat World songs and there's like two Blink-182 ones and um, uh, a couple Paramore ones, a Let's Fall Out Boy out. one. Yeah. No, there is not. Yeah, I like this uh, I like this lullaby version and I like how she sings it, the, whoever's voice that is, she's singing it, it's all calm. And then the, um, the come inside, it's nice inside, she's just like... Like they just the, the lyrics are as simple as possible. It just spells Mickey Mouse. I don't think it does the rest. It just Lulu's the rest of the lyrics. Ah. Pretty cool. Alright, so let's uh and then we got the marching band at Disney World playing it. I love the Disneyland band. And oh yeah, Disney I guess it would be the Magic Kingdom band. <laughs>
so rad. They got the sousaphones, the the trombones get the melody, which I love. Is trombone is you know they walk to the front and they play, and the little drummer. Like I don't know if you could see the drummers' uh, little setups they got. Um, I mean, if it's anything like the Disneyland band, it's usually like the little snare with the little splash symbol on it. Yeah, it's almost like a tiny drum kit, you know, like a yeah. little mini thing. And the, the guys will have different like wood blocks and cowbells and shit like that. Uh, when I was in Bloomington, they had this awesome like indie marching band, like a punk rock marching band that was called nice. the, Je- the Jefferson Street Parade Band. I was friends with most of them. Nice. And they would even have these guys that were like very techie and like good with building shit and guitars and amps and they rigged up battery powered amps and made backpacks and so there was a marching electric <laughs> bassist and electric guitar but That's then right. it was like all the band kids because you know so many band kids get into ska and punk and stuff like that and it was all those guys like from like 18 to like 50 like they were all like the weirdos in town that would play in this band and when they'd play a venue they'd march around the venue they'd go through the bar they'd go outside and come in the back like it was like so fun and they just had these ragtag outfits almost like some sort of like uh, lost boys or something like kind of um or, or whatever you what are the peter pan kids called the Lost Boys. Lost Boys, yeah. So these kind of like homemade looking, like scrappy yeah. marching band outfits and hats and stuff. And it was so fun. And they wrote their own songs and did standards. It was really entertaining. Um, Yeah, great. I mean, that looks like it's a bunch of like older guys. I think it might be kind of fun, like retirement job where it's like your part time job. Oh, for job, sure. You yeah. Know? It's, it's usually like, yeah, me, like on a band that size, it'll be like three or four young guys. And then everybody else is like super seasoned. <laughs> yeah but the young guys might be like the ringers they come in they're like blasting all the high shit. oh yeah totally yeah yeah all right so our first proper cover so those are both official so not covers just different versions really um the mickey mouse clubhouse theme cover from the youtube channel is called sure yeah cool <laughs> it's the youtube channel <laughs> um and I labeled it as shockingly beautiful acoustic cover. And so this guy, all you can see is his hands. Uh, he's got a capoed way up on an acoustic. And you can nice. see that he has a Dunder Mifflin paper company pillow. So let's, uh, let's listen to this. did the mickey mouse clubhouse oh my god yeah it's so good like that's clearly multiple tracks like it's not just a video he might actually be like oh yeah 
playing along with his recorded thing because there's multiple guitars in there and his vocal sounds studio recorded you know it's got all this reverb and then <laughs> so it's just like so gorgeous and then that's me <laughs> <laughs> that's me <laughs> like this song has no business being that pretty like it's like yeah you know i don't dislike the song and the they might be giants version is totally fun and appropriate for the where it's at but like that i mean this guy must have had some motivation to make it like that he's like i'm gonna make a lullaby version for my kids or whatever oh yeah um, yeah, it's just amazing. All right, let's listen to the metal, uh, the metal one. Oh, yes. One. Okay, so Mickey Mouse oh, I, metal. I said specifically at 125 on the metal version, uh, they did some rad stuff. I don't remember what it was, but I made that. I made a note. All right, here we go. Hey, everybody, it's me, Mickey Mouse. Say, you want to come inside my clubhouse? Well, all right, let's go. There it is, yeah. <laughs> and the sinking of the dancing is so good. Yes. <laughs> it's, oh my God, it's just brilliant. And so that's, it's technically hot dog. And my friend Andy from my band, Outdoor Valor, is signed up for the hot dog episode. But yeah. I don't think I could wait like a year to let people <laughs> hear that. because So I also must credit Kai Pfeiffer is the one that is like, because I had sent him the whole list of covers. He was thinking about doing a cover of this for us, didn't end up getting around to it. He's done other ones, but he, uh, yeah, actually his episode's coming out today as of we're taping this, but uh, for a different song. So he was like, dude. I was looking to see, you know, how many covers you're all gonna have already gonna have to work with and check this out. And I was having my coffee, it was like six in the morning, and I'm just like, oh my god. I'm like, like it was the best like pick me up. I'm like drinking fresh coffee and just being blasted with double kick pedal. Oh, yeah. oh my god. So yeah, you love that breakdown at the very end. Love it. Yeah, oh, it was great. Oh my god. Reminds me a lot of this one of my favorite bands uh that uh you know, a separate category for like bands that I'm real life friends with, friends of mine. There's this band called Ryan's Hope. Uh, one of the two releases ever put out on Punk News Records, uh, Ryan's, oh. Ryan's Hope, Trials of Recession. They were a bunch of guys that um, grew up playing in hardcore bands and like metalcore bands, shredders, total shredders, 
drop C tuning guys, you know, and uh, but they also loved like the Smoking Popes and the Misfits and these kind of more melodic punk bands with good singers. So it was like a combination of the two is super good. I should send you something, but I got to give props to those guys and my friend um, Terry, the singer and guitarist, is now also a music teacher, middle school uh, choir and a general music teacher but they like he was such a good guitarist but it'd be like they'd simplify and do power chords and do these very smoking popes-esque melodies that were super catchy choruses but then in the middle be like and then we'd go back to the the pop punk part and it was so good my uh my pop punk band had definitely had a song that did that and it was the one where i'd throw my bass you know do the do the over the head thing and all that jazz oh you can pull that (laughs) off swinging around yeah man yeah i could i never threw it forward i'd always throw it back it just made more sense that way because we weren't wireless, so oh, <laughs> it just yeah. made more sense to throw it back than get it did to uh, throw it forward. Get the cord wrapped around you. Dude, yeah. You had strap locks, I assume. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, you gotta. I've never attempted that move. I I don't know. I feel like... Oh, yeah. My, I remember man. we were hot. We were like... Not hot. We were like super hyped <laughs> up on like... Uh, we were super hyped up on like, you know, Dr. Pepper or something. And we just <laughs> went out on the grass. And I was like, okay, we just got to do it. Once we do it once, we'll have it. And then uh, yeah. we did it. We figured it out. I you can only imagine what your neighbors were thinking when saw you doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what the fuck? What are these kids doing? Um, I feel like, well, you were doing it with a bass, but I feel like I'm, you know, creeping up. I'm 40 years old. I feel like swinging my heavy ass J Mascus <laughs> jazz master around my head could prove fatal. Um, <laughs> and we're always performing in small spaces. Lafayette is not, you're not getting like spacious yeah. stages. Uh, anyway, Georgia. Um, so perfectly done and like you said um well you were talking over the music say again about the uh the slow down the animation there <laughs> oh yeah that, it's just it's just fun that they added that extra step i recently watched a metal version of supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and they did the same thing where they oh had the God. whole band completely uh the the polka band from the from the horse race uh completely timed to the song and it, it makes a difference man all right value. let's keep moving along because we gotta wrap yeah. it up this one's called the impossible remix uh piano cover slash remix on npt music uh this thing has four hundred fifty thousand views here we go a piano covers person that we go to all the time that has a similar uh screenshot setup and it's it's always passkey piano is the uh username 
No, it's NPT music, but I don't see it. Oh, okay. And there's playlists of these piano things with like that's I guess incredible though. They do like <laughs> Bieber, Demi, you know, Demi Lovato, Megan Trainor, Ed Sheeran songs. I guess like that. Uh, <sighs> awesome. Very fun. Uh, now here's a remix by a band called Rain, uh, like Rain uh, over you. R R E I G N Rain dot Bandcamp dot com. Uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse remix. Let's check it out. trunk rattling and i love that everybody also thought that hot dog was the part of the mickey mouse clubhouse theme <laughs> yeah that, yeah it's just as mickey mouse clubhouse uh there's also a subwoofer right under you so oh there you uh, go it, it's <laughs> it's bumping but i wish he had done like a freestyle rap over yeah i would have been tight at, at some you gotta point. get yeah. you gotta submit that to a soundcloud rapper <laughs> especially yeah like especially if it was like something totally inappropriate like the rap verse was just like oh about, yeah uh, you know about fucking or something uh yeah. so now, Kai, who sent me the metal one, also sent me these drum covers. Now, I typically don't play drum covers because they're not actually covers. Um, you know, if you're if the original track is playing on your cover, that's not a cover. It's a play-along. I'd call it a play-along. And, yeah. I, and I wish they would catch on because they're actually play-alongs, you know. And they're cool, like, tutorials almost sometimes. Like, there's this guy that plays, like, for the past six years has been doing, like, a video playing bass along with everything my giant song steve baddock and he's going to be on the show too but uh, he calls them covers but they're not covers but it's cool to watch like oh that's how Winecoff's playing the bass <laughs> but in this case yeah i've seen drum covers of the my giant stuff that's just like ah you're just playing the drum part here's the first drum cover these are awesome because uh they fuck with it travis Barker. i love style. her so much yeah she, she's Barker, she rules so. I mean, yeah. 
I also love that the camera is like shaking whatever she set it on. Is oh yeah, absolutely. It's like attached to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So great. Okay, and she's super tight playing. I mean, I would I would be very surprised if she wasn't a fan of Travis Barker because her style is very. Oh yeah, she very much did like the first date fill in there. <laughs> oh yeah, and even more than the parts, like her style, like even just the way she's holding the sticks and playing the hi hat is very much uh, that kind of. Uh, Someone who grew up as a marching band snare drummer, the way that they would play a kit. Like my friend John even plays like that. Like you kind of choke up on the sticks a little bit. It's really light. Attack. Light and like somehow playing uh, light and hard at the same time. Like light stick movements, but it's still loud as fuck. So then uh, this guy doesn't do as tight of a, it's not as tight of a cover, um, but this metal dude with long hair is really fun to watch. (laughs) Um, Oh, I should also mention that that woman there, her channel is. Tyra Two Step, so T Y R. Oh, that's right. Okay. Two Step, T W O S T E P. Tyra Two Step. Only 32 subscribers. I'm going to subscribe. It's fucking awesome. Um, someone was like, do Sesame Street songs next. <laughs> so here's this metal dude, and he is YouTube channel. Let's see. Joey Muha, M U H A on YouTube. This dude has 83,000 subscribers. So. Uh, Whoa! Check this dude out. I expect perfection. It's not, but it's fun. Watching his feet. I couldn't. It looks like he's got a real kit, but his kick drum sounded synthesized. Uh, He's he might have triggers going on. Okay. So like a lot of those metal guys to get that like real clicky like you 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 know the the misconception is that like oh metal everything is tuned so low. Now the guitars are down tuned in the bass, but the kick drum they take as much low end out of that as possible. Like there's a little uh, bit, but yeah. it's mostly click. It's attack. Yeah. Same thing on like fat record style punk like to to get the the uh like to get yeah. that that the accents so you could really hear it and have it cut through the mix. It's all like high mids EQ. Yeah. Um, and a lot of guys will actually, there will be like a, a, a sample of like the perfect kick sound you want. <laughs> and, and that and will be... just set up to hit when you kick the kick? It, I see. Yeah. Through, through the software, every time you hit your bass drum, it's not like it'll record your bass drum, but it also, it, on a separate track, it would trigger this sample. So it's playing exactly what, like you're the one playing it, but the sound of the drum is actually a just like a perfectly captured sample of what you want it to sound like. And a lot of those metal bands do that. And I, I know some guys that have told me that that's, that's like the secret. Yeah, I remember when we were on tour and some band was like, yeah, man, it's all triggers. And we were like, all right, like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And you might be like, oh, well, that's cheating or whatever. That's But like, that's... You know, in, in this day and age, it's not cheating because they're still playing it. Like they still yeah. have the technique. It's not like auto tune or something. 
you know, yeah. it's it's just triggering, you know, based on their performance. So that's what it sounds like. This guy's got to set up. But to me, it sounds like he maybe played it through once and then hit record because, he, you know, <laughs> this is me being a total like drummer dork, but he rushes like he gets ahead of it and he's a little sloppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. his kick, his double kick was off in a few places. For yeah, sure. it's like he probably just and dude, like he's probably making he's got us all he his did shit 30 monetized. of those that day. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's got his shit monetized. <laughs> he's got 83,000 subscribers. He's just kicking out shit. He's probably like, oh, I've heard this dumb song twice. Now I'm going to just like improv. <laughs> I'm just going to wing it. And I could I could pull off shit like that. And maybe I should. Maybe I'd actually make some money. But uh, like uh, so he actually plays the clubhouse theme. Uh, the woman before nice. Tyra is, is playing hot dog. So, I mean, it's fine. I'll probably play these. I'll probably play hers again, and yeah. I'll play the metal one again when Andy and I. That's why you got to put this it's, in the hot dog episode out as like a podcast EP. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, okay, one more. Uh, this is I labeled as WTF parentheses Turn your <laughs> turn your speakers down. Okay, so the uh, so I won't turn it up that loud. The art is very kind of sexualized, weird manga style drawings of women and it's called uh this is cringe slayer cringe oh okay uh, so slayer on brand all right yeah so uh i won't turn it up as loud here we go oh my god You get the idea. <laughs> wow. And yes, it does sound that shitty. It's totally like if you when I drop that into the episode, the waveform's just gonna be It's just a brick. Yeah, just total, yeah. Wall to wall fucking and like that I'm sure all of their stuff sounds like that, and I think people are into that shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just one of those weird sub 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 genres that people like. Okay, so Noah Daniels from Germany. Um he uh, was on the episode for um, a song called Whole Lot of Glean, which was a B-side. So he's a super fan. He likes the weirdest songs. He uh, I, I, he does a lot of covers, and I sent him my recording schedule along with a couple other people that are prolific Team BG covers. I said, I'm going to need help with some of these, and I assumed I wouldn't find any or like barely any good covers of this. And he goes ahead and sends me two of them. So the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme, uh, the one that's just labeled Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme. It's the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Come inside, it's right inside. It's the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Roll call. Love the ending. All right, so yeah, then this one, Mickey rocks the clubhouse. Parentheses, he's lost his mind. <laughs> <laughs> you won't get the joke, but I'll tell you. M-O-C-K-E-Y. M-O-C-K-E-Y. 
you think of his straight up cover a straight up cover is so impressive because anybody that can play accordion already gets like a pass for me so yeah accordion and distorted electric guitar i'm a sucker for it uh it's good he does the roll call he doesn't attempt to do the characters voices but he does it like exactly as is um but his own little take on it uh arrangement wise he doesn't mess with the tempo or really the the structure or anything like that then on this one so let me explain this to you as a guy who doesn't know that many they might be giant songs uh, when he says, he's lost his mind, that is a reference to another They Might Be Giants song that I just recorded an episode for called She Thinks She's Edith Head. And uh, Edith Head is this old-fashioned designer that, you know, that did stuff for movies. Maybe you've heard of her. We're talking about like the 20s, 30s, 40s. She did fashion design and uh, costumes for many, many big stars in big movies. But she was like kind of like a little bit of an early feminist icon and like really just well-respected. And so the song is just like a kind of like bluesy. I'm not that crazy about the song, honestly. It's this two chord song, very simple little guitar riff that he plays. So he takes it from the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse from maybe the song's in F major and Edith Head is in F minor. So oh, geez, he he, <laughs> he flips it he flips it to the minor and in in Edith head she's lost a mind like Flans does that so he says he's lost his mind Mickey Mouse has lost his That's mind great. and he also segues there's also a couple other I may have to figure this out and and, and drop it in later before I embarrass myself because there's a couple other um, familiar licks in there that are from other songs so he essentially makes it into a medley of they might be giants riffs. Uh, that sound. under the Mickey Mouse lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then he does like the creepy Clever. "Come inside, it's not, it's fun inside," which just for a kid song is just a, a hilarious twist to make it all creepy. So the "He's Lost His Mind" line reminded me of in the Wedding Singer when uh, John Lovitz <laughs> is watching Andy uh, 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 Adam Sandler play yeah. his uh, Cure song. Yeah, he goes, "He's lost his mind." <laughs> And, and I'm, I'm reaping, reaping all, all the benefits. The benefits. <laughs> God, I love John Lovitz. <laughs> what happened to that guy? Where is he now? I love him. I'm still around. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when I was on that one Simpsons episode in 1994? I that- was the critic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I love the critic. It yeah. stinks. It stinks. Yes, Mr. Sherman. Everything stinks. I said uh, in the email, there are some others that aren't as interesting or are too shitty to play. So, like, a lot of people have covered this, probably not even knowing it's They Might Be Giants. Just, you know, it's the Mickey Mouse song. I'm going to, you know, play it. So, that's that's it. It's time for you to score this song. So, 
you're you're coming at it from a different angle because you don't know that many they might be giant songs, but you know this and hot dog very well. But we're not ranking hot dog. We're we're you know we're scoring the theme. All right. So yep. and thinking back about the original tuba accordion, all that. What are you giving their they might be giants Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme song out of ten? I'd- with yeah, decimals. so here's the thing is, it was an earworm before I even knew it was They Might Be Giants, so that is already going to score pretty high on the list. Like, yeah. I feel like uh, there's a podcast I listen to, and they do something called TV Tunes Tuesdays, where mm-hmm. they talk about TV tunes. I feel like I could submit this, and no one would bat an eye. They'd be like, yes, we should talk about this theme. It's not like some some weird one. And and what's the scale that I'm rating this on? So, zero to ten, and you can use decimals. Zero like to ten, pitch, okay. Pitch, pitchfork style. Obviously not my genre of show, um, <laughs> well, yeah. so so we'll knock a few points off that. I'm going to give it a solid seven uh, for yeah. earworm ability, musicianship, uh, and, and all of that, and it being outside of my genre is just what knocks it down. For a kid, I can't imagine this isn't a ten out of ten. Yeah, I yeah totally. For for that age kid that'll be watching this show. I mean, you know, what? I'm going to give it a yeah. 7.5 with Jay Leno yelling in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, have have uh, have any of the members of They Might Be Giants ever played this live? With, well, I think we talked about they didn't ever play it live, right? Nope. Nope. Which is surprising. Yeah, I was going to say what would be great is if they played it on like The Tonight Show or something and Jay Leno came out with a microphone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, It's kind of weird that they didn't play it live, actually, because... Hold on. Let me, see, let, let me double check if they played Hot Dog Live because... Like right, yeah, that would be so a good point, big. yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, so they've separated their Spotify. There are two Spotify accounts. There's They Might That's Be Giants, right. and They Might Be Giants for Kids. Because back when they were one uh, one Spotify account, their top five played songs were like <laughs> Birdhouse in Your Soul and Dr. Worm, and then it was Mickey Mouse Clubhouse song, Hot Diggity Dog, I I think, the Higley Town Heroes. It was just like all these kids' songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that were from shows, you know, because kids want to hear them even when they're not watching the show and they want to listen to them over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Yep. For Zinnia, it's Wheels on the Bus. Which I'm just like, I got to find a good version of Wheels on the Bus. Oh, my God. Someone's got to do a metal version. I bet there is one. <laughs> the Wheels on the Bus. Dun, 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 dun. So See, I uh, didn't know if the band had ever had any interactions with Jay Leno because I mean, they played the song or anything like that. No, they've played on the Tonight Show a bunch, and they've played on Letterman. They've played on all the late night shows throughout the years, uh, especially in the Electra era. You know, and after Flood, they were playing on all the all the big shows. But uh, yeah. in this era, not as much. They would have been playing on Conan. They've done kid songs on Conan. They did Robot Parade on Conan hilariously. Um, but this one, it says Hot Dog has never been played live, and. Uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme. I wonder if it's a Disney thing. It might be, but the thing is that's that's odd that actually kind of negates that whole thing is that three of their five kids' albums were put out in oh. a collaboration with Disney Records and their record label, Idlewild Recording. Um, so, like, they were under contract from Disney for, like, eight years uh, yeah. to do, and they did those various theme songs. And the theme songs would end up on their albums, like tacked at the end. And they'd here come the ABCs, here come the one, two, threes, and here comes science. And those were all uh, through, you know, collaboration with Disney. So it's not like they would have been like, yeah, you wrote the thing, but you could never play it live. I don't see why that would be the case. And they played kid shows around those eras. They played a lot. Like they would play, 
so they were doing like double duty. <laughs> they would play like a matinee or like a you know That's like cool. a four or five p.m. show, go eat dinner, and then play you know like a eight p.m. Uh, regular club show, which is crazy. Nice. They were making mad coin off of this stuff, you know. Bet, I mean, yeah. yeah. But it's, so it's crazy that they never played it live. But uh, so, what are you going to score this thing? I, I'm going to give it a seven point five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is a tough one because you know, ranking it, it, it from my angle, coming at it, thinking about all the adult songs and with the kids songs, I'm kind of not stacking them up against the adult songs because kind of like their Spotify accounts, I feel like I should be able to rank it against other kids songs. And not have it have to be ranked against Birdhouse and Anna Ng and stuff. So I think as a kid song, like you said, is very successful. Kids have loved it. I mean, my daughter was pro- is probably about the age where she would like that show. We just don't have Disney Plus. I don't know. Um, and she likes the song and I've played it for her. And she likes the voices and, you know, Donald Duck. She laughs at it every time. Uh, so I think it achieves its purpose. And Hot Dog probably even more so because that song just as a song blew yeah. up like crazy for kids so that that would probably be a higher score we'll see when i do the episode but i think for this one as far as a kid's song goes uh it's not as i don't like it as much as so many of their they've uh, probably over 100 kids songs from their five albums you know they're all so many songs it, it's not as good as like there's you know that they wrote their own concept it's not under like okay you're gonna write a about this from Disney. Uh, so I, I think I'm still going to have to go 6.5, though. I'd say that's much higher than I bet a lot of people will be like, I can't believe you gave that dumb song this. But they're probably people <laughs> without kids, and they would never yeah. want to listen to it. Just, you know. But uh, it gets a 6.5 rather than, you know, sub 5 because it achieves its purpose and stacked up against other kids' songs. You know, it's not, you know, a, a kid's song that's a 10 would be like, I'm a paleontologist, Roy G. Biv. Um, what did I get paleontologist? I feel like I kind of along the line as I was doing kids songs kind of decided that, that I'm like, I'm scoring them on the basis of ranking them against sense. other kids songs. So at, at first I think I was maybe ranking some of them a little low cause I was stacking them up against Dr. Worm, but that's not really fair. Um, it's written with a different audience in mind, you know? Yep. 6.5. Yeah. Okay. So plug your podcast for the peeps. Uh, so we are Jimmy Eat Pod on all of the socials. Uh, just look it up in your podcast player. We will show up there. Uh, and we just like this might be a podcast cover song by song, uh, one at a time. Uh, uh, if you liked this episode and specifically liked uh, <laughs> uh, the kids songs, uh, check out our episode for Jimmy Eat World's Beautiful Day, which was the song that they did for Yo Gabba Gabba. And it's absolutely incredible. Nice. Uh, it's actually a really good song i heard like, it back in the day i should re-listen yeah. yeah yeah that's a really good song and that it's a kid song is just like all right, i mean whatever <laughs> it's great um, i, I love yeah. the was it the specials that did the like pick it up it was p- about picking up your toys <laughs> no, cleaning, I don't cleaning know, your room that sounds great oh I'm my put god that on in the car cleaning room. i know aquabats were on there oh my god the roots were on there i think god that was that was a great show i'll probably have yeah like just so i can see them when Zinnia is like appropriate age to watch, yeah. you know, maybe a little older, I'm like, let's I think watch all plug- of the Yo Gabba Gabbas. <laughs> yeah, I think you would plug the episode that you were on uh, Jimmy Pod previous, and we're going to try to do a crossover. So, yeah, uh, was that uh, this is in your podcast players now? Check our currently released episode, and Greg will probably be on that episode too. <laughs> yeah. Also, did I put? Uh, was it for me? This is heaven. Is that the one we did? Sounds right. 
Yeah, it was one of the ballads that Cara and I, because Cara was on it with me talking yep. about it. It was on like a mix I made for her early in our relationship. Yeah, Jimmy, seeing, and I talk about this story, seeing Jimmy Eat World on SNL, like I invited her over to the dorm room in 2001, yeah. or 2000, it might have been early 2002, Bleed American was still new, they were p- promoting it, they played Sweetness in the Middle on SNL, and that was like a big deal for us, because in 2001, it was still mostly like stupid pop acts and, you know, you know, whatever, Britney, totally, Spe- yeah. you know, Britney Spears or NSYNC or whatever the fuck. Yeah, people go listen to Jimmy Eat Pod. These guys do a good job. They are even more uh, chatty and lengthy than I am. <laughs> I try to keep it to under two hours and really 90 minutes is what I shoot for. But this one, uh, yeah, this one, uh, my recording are creeping up to 90, yeah, 94 minutes. So that's that sounds about right for a, a kid's theme yeah. song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. The cover section was surprisingly good. Uh, way better than I thought it would be. So people can find This Might Be a Podcast at thismightbeapodcast.com. And we're on Instagram, this underscore might underscore be underscore a underscore podcast. Yeah, underscores between them. At This Might Be a Pod on Twitter. Uh, this Might Be a Pod at Gmail. Send me your thoughts. Did your kids listen? To, do they like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse? Or are you someone with no kids that likes uh, the songs and uh, all that? Hope you enjoyed those covers. That was pretty awesome. Uh, head to patreon.com slash this might be a podcast if you really want to support the pod. And um, yeah, I think by the time this comes out, I am either about to, uh, my wife's about to have our second daughter, or uh, we already had our second daughter. So uh, we need money. Uh, yes, subscribe to the podcast get exclusive episodes and go listen to jimmy eat pod they have a patreon as well which is probably patreon.com slash jimmy eat pod uh patreon.com slash this might be a podcast and we'll see you all next time um voicemails 224-801-2930 see y'all later in the, the clubhouse it's the mickey mouse clubhouse Inside.